0: Well, hello, and welcome to the Made for This podcast. I'm your host, Julie Turner, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today. I believe that each of you are created uniquely and for a purpose. On this show, I talk with women that I believe are living out their God given purpose right in the place where they are at. My hope is that wherever life has you, whether you're in the workforce, raising young people, or both, whether you are married or single, full nest or empty nest, Whatever your particular circumstance is, I hope that in listening to these women and their stories, that you will feel inspired to live confidently in your own purpose every day of your life. You will be hearing from ordinary people living ordinary lives with an extraordinary purpose. Today, I will be talking with my dear friend Kirsten Holmberg. Kirsten is a wife to her husband Mike, mama to three beautiful children, and is a professional speaker, writer, and editor. We'll be talking about everything from her so-close moment to her inspiring career, their family's journey toward adoption, and we'll even spend some time talking about the Bible study we've written together. She'll also be letting you know about a local event that you're all invited to called LIFT. LIFT stands for Living, Inspired, Fearless, Thriving. And you can find more details about all of the exciting things they have planned, as well as registration information on their website, www.liftedhigh.org. So, without further ado, here's my interview with my good friend, Kirsten Holmberg. Well, hello. Welcome to the Made for This podcast. I'm sitting here with my good friend, Kirsten Holmberg. She um, is a dear friend of mine. She's a wife of 21 years. She's a mom to three beautiful teen kids and she is a Boulderite turned Boisean and a self-described recovering multitasker.
1: (laughs) And as
0: a multitasker, let's start there. What is a, what is a recovering multitasker look like?
1: I am just trying to lay that down. Thank you for having me by the way. Oh yes. Yeah. I'm trying to lay that down because it turns out I'm
0: not as good at it. As I thought I was. Oh, right. Well, I feel oh. like age kind of works <laughs> yeah. against us Oh, so a little maybe bit. I was good at it before? Is that what you're <laughs> That's thinking? That's how I feel. Oh, I'm, not, okay. I'm not putting that on you. I'm saying for me. Well, hey, <laughs> that makes me
1: feel better because otherwise I feel like I've been living this lie. <laughs> I am a multitasker. And maybe I really was and just now I'm not. We yeah, have to so play anyway. to our strengths. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. trying to kind of be in whatever I'm doing as much as possible now. Yeah. And I find that I do it better with a little bit more focus.
0: Very good. Well, let's talk about your three. We'll talk about your husband later because he's great. You guys are such good friends. Let's talk about your three kiddos. Tell us a little bit about them.
1: Senior in high school. So dipping our toes in the water of what it means to select a college and watching her, Dania, go through, figuring out how to make those choices is really gratifying as a parent to start to see her own the way she makes choices so that's been neat. And then I also have a freshman. Her name is Britta. So she's just cutting her teeth on high school and the course load that comes with that right. but is, is promising. She's a quirky, whimsical, offbeat kind of gal that pushes me outside of my box, Yeah. which is really healthy, but that's fun. also sometimes uncomfortable. Right. And then my son, Lars, is the newest to the teen years and he is seventh grader so smack dab in the middle of middle school and right. showing off all the best parts of middle school and showing himself to be worthy of that task wow. thankfully yeah. in in some good ways yeah Not always
0: <laughs> well but in I mean some what good middle ways. schooler can boast being good at all the things in all ways
1: <laughs> wouldn't <Windy> be middle school
0: <laughs> <laughs> right um oh my goodness yes you're going through the senior year right alongside me and mm-hmm. all the emotions that come with that oh my goodness it's and a lot yeah watching them start to make their own decisions is amazing and gratifying, like you said, but also such a glimpse into the fact that I'm not going to be shoulder to shoulder in those decisions as much. uh yes, but that'll just make me cry, so maybe we should go on to something a little more happy, which is as um, as you know, every podcast is going to have a so close story, so let's just let's just go right into that. Do you have, I have so many, do you have a so close standout moment? Well, probably the best
1: one to share does stand out. This It's been a number of years. In fact, probably pretty close to 15 to okay. 18 years somewhere in there, but it was just that amazing. Oh no. If you, if, if you ask me. <laughs> So two things you have to know about me up front. One is I am an introvert, meaning I get my energy from being alone, not with people. So social gatherings, while I enjoy them, are actually kind of a drain. Right. But the second thing that most people wouldn't guess about me is that I'm also shy. So going into these big social environments are actually quite scary for me. I've worked really hard to find the ways that I overcome that. And I remember in elementary school being really, really tired of being shy and making a decision and wanting to work on that. And so here I am at nearly 46 years old, and this is still thematic in my life. So that's the context. I'm an introverted, shy person and I have gathered with a bunch of my husband's coworkers at Basically, a barbecue for lack of a better term. Okay. All right. So, as the relatively new wife, granted this is probably three or four years after we got married, I really wanted to be a good wife, and I also wanted to impress my husband's colleagues. Just feeling like I'm making an impression here for him. Yes. And so, to overcome my own feelings of insecurity and shyness, as well as it taking a lot of energy out of me, I decided to try to stimulate conversation. Okay. And did my darndest to carry that conversation and ask people questions Uh and engage with them. Which you're very good at, by the way. Oh, so thank you. That's nice. I don't know if I was then, but I was sure trying. (laughs) Oh, boy, was I trying. (laughs) Well, let's see if I can get through this. So finally it was time for us to go, and my husband and I walk out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I just think that we really – enjoyed our time Uh and I'm so glad I got to meet your co-workers. I had this big grin on my face and Mike just doubles over laughing and I was like what? Oh no. And he's like you're you're kidding right? And and I'm like no what are you talking about? He's like cut it out. Cut it out. Oh my goodness. Well there had been spinach dip at the party. Yes. And apparently I had an enormous leaf. Oh. (laughs) On the very front of my teeth so here oh I am commandeering conversation, doing my darndest to look like an extrovert in this environment with this enormous leaf of spinach oh. in my mouth and oh I just my thought gosh. oh what have I done wow wow that just <laughs> felt like no a recovery. colossal fail oh yeah we were gone oh, there right. wasn't even any way to like go back in and be like hey I got it, <laughs> it oh my god
0: gosh and these are not your people so it's not like you're there was no
1: grace there was no forgiveness there was no you know she normally has good dental hygiene it was just mike's wife big piece of spinach
0: and green spinach
1: it was awesome oh for
0: crying out loud and so he did not notice this until you were in the car because he was sitting next to me so it wasn't until we could like look at each other
1: (laughs) face to face
0: Did anybody ever go say anything to him afterwards about the green spinach, or was it just at that point?
1: I have no idea. (laughs) I will say this in answer to that question. If they did bless my husband for not ever saying anything to me.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, I would have died.
1: Mm.
0: Oh, that's that's amazing. That is so close. So close. I tried. Because you really probably were leading a fantastic discussion, as you always do, and so close. (laughs) So close. Well, if you wanted to make an impression, I'm certain that that helped (laughs) (laughs) solidify that in their brain. Oh, that's awesome. That's the best. Oh, you like that. that. Oh, I love stories that (laughs) make me feel like I'm not the only one that has all these. So Um, Um, my last guest didn't have any. I'm like, how are we friends when... I have, or oh,
1: are you covering the bases for her?
0: I, I am by like probably <laughs> times 10 <laughs> at least. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, yay. That is amazing. I, I will be checking my teeth before mm. work events from now on yeah. and during yeah. <laughs> that's stressful. Pocket mirror. <laughs> work events are stressful for me. Mm. Yeah. So, oh, that's really sad. Wow. Awesome. Um, let's start by having you tell us, a little bit more about yourself. We introduced you with some of your roles that you are currently in, but um, let's talk a little bit about about that. What what are some of the roles that you are currently involved in right now?
1: Well, my favorite one has to be being Mike's wife, and as you mentioned, I guess we'll talk a little bit more about him later. But being a wife. Was not something I thought I wanted during my high school years, and no. so it's really fun to be married and enjoy marriage. So yeah. That's been enjoyable, and we talked a little bit about my kids, and I already told you that I'm an introvert, and I'm shy. right. So right. the other things that I spend time doing really are writing and speaking and editing. Yes. Other than unless you want to hear me detail ooh all the chauffeuring and all the right. gr- grocery shopping <laughs> the glamorous and all of too, the not yes. cleaning that i do here's here's a spectacular <laughs> fail in my life dusting i don't understand dusting i will never understand dusting oh, that's i'm so rearranging dust is basically what dusting amounts to
0: <laughs> rearranging dust, just sort of moving it to the side. It kind of
1: feels like it just gets mm. kind of kicked back up into the air and it's just going to land there again in a couple of days. So that is, I typically try to leave that until you can almost engrave something mm-hmm. in the dust. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: No, it is very defeating. Same with cleaning the floors for me with a dog and two teen boys mm-hmm. and land. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very defeating for me to clean the floors and then 10 seconds later have them and, uh, right back at you. yeah, mm-hmm. And dust, yeah. Especially when you see light coming in the windows and you're like, mm. Mm, all of that's going to land, all yep. that that I see in the light. <laughs> I get to pick that up someday.
1: <laughs> right. Just not so soon, hopefully.
0: <laughs> right. Um, well, speaking of uh, the fact that you speak and write, you really are one of the Most masterful of the English language people that I know, and you introduce me to new words on a regular basis. And I thought I knew a lot of words. Um, You do well, but uh, when I yes, when I think about my command of the English language compared to yours, the word "caveman" comes to mind. (laughs) Grunts. (laughs) So, have you always had? This love of words and language, or is that something that's grown in you over time?
1: I don't know that I would say that I've always loved it. I think I've always had a reasonable command of it, probably because my mom has an amazing vocabulary raised by an educator. And I would also say, and this pertains to the writing and editing as well, I had what felt like the most demanding high school English teacher Mm -hmm. in the world. Yeah, I rewrote and rewrote and wow. rewrote so many papers because they did not meet his standard. Wow. And considering where I've ended up, which is not where I anticipated being, I thought I'd be in business. And I am, I suppose, to some degree, but I wouldn't have thought, I thought I'd be dealing with finance and okay. accounting. So to be ending up as a writer and editor and speaker, the fact that he played such a pivotal role in my ability to communicate is really fun.
0: Well, that's so fun. So you headed more into the world of writing and speaking. What are some of the current writing and speaking engagements that you're a part of now? Because that's carried on forward.
1: Well, I'm not doing a whole lot of blogging on my own blog. And that's because I have really had to channel that energy in a couple of new directions. Primarily, a lot of that energy is going to writing for the international devotional Our Daily Bread which is so exciting. Congratulations. It's really fun. Yeah. I'm really, really tickled. So tell, tell
0: anybody who may not have heard about that, what, what is that and how would somebody get a hold of that if they wanted to?
1: So for those people who would prefer to see it online or receive it virtually, you can go to ODB, as in Our Daily Bread, dot org, and they're okay. all posted there, oh, or wow. you can subscribe over email. Mine don't begin to be posting until March of 2017, okay. but content is there from so many other terrific writers so that's one way that people can get it either delivered straight into their inbox over email or just logging on to see it there but they do put out paper devotionals
0: and so if
1: you want it to be sent to you it's free oh my it's a non-profit ministry so obviously if someone cares to donate that goes a long way towards sending these to people and they have an enormous prison ministry
0: wow so so the heart of the organization is to get the, the word of God into the hands of anybody, everybody. Yes,
1: yes. Okay. But we get feedback from readers
0: oh, okay. all the
1: time. And there is just this huge, this is so encouraging to me as a writer, there's this huge following of people that are getting that for the first time wow. in prison.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: they're starting to write about how their lives are changed through this experience of meeting Jesus for the first time through his word because that's one of my very favorite things about this organization is that they are so so central to God's word wow I'm used to being the editor and they edit me and they really really put the content that you write through the paces to make sure it is really truly representative of the original expressed intent of that passage wow which is hard
0: wow well and I think as we've talked about this even to make it as broadly accessible, like the telling the message that God's word is accessible to Mm -hmm. everyone Mm -hmm. of any background, of any personality, of any, Yep, ex- life experience. Wow. Well, I love that. And I love that you got picked up as one of their writers. I yeah. can't wait to see your Super post. Fun. post. Thank you. And now I know I can do it online. I didn't you know can. That. That's awesome. <laughs> so I'll that probably and... share
1: that on Facebook too. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 Awesome. Okay. Well, that is so, um, but that's just one of many. So what are some of the other things that you're pouring your energy into right now?
1: I'm helping coach the TEDx Boise speakers as they prep to be on stage in 2017, which isn't specifically writing. But then I
0: do still blog whenever I can. So what is your blog for everyone listening? If they want to go read your writing Two is- ways
1: to get there. One is everything all spelled out, 828.org. Okay. No numbers. Just spell it all out. Or the shortcut is Kirstenholmberg.com.
0: Okay. All right. But then you have to spell my name right. Okay. And I-R-S-T-E-N. you'll be I-R-S-T-E-N. in for a treat. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Um, which I actually talked over, but yes, you are K-I-R-S-T-E-N, and um, anyone listening would be in for a treat. Your writing is amazing, and um, you have a lot posted, so they could yeah, it's been spend some years. time there. Yeah, it's been a few years.
1: I just finished a project with the ghost writing, writing about mass, mass transit, which is so not in my wheelhouse. Yeah, But that's the other thing that I love about being a ghostwriter, back to getting bored with all the other jobs. This ghostwriting gig has really let me dabble in other people's businesses. And I don't mean right. that in a nosy way right. as much as I begin to learn what their language is, what matters most to them, what are the pieces that they have to address with wow. their potential customers. So mass transit architecture, random, random things as far as I can tell. So writing on everything from God's word to mass transit.
0: (laughs) Right. That is amazing. And so fun that you would probably primarily call yourself a stay at home mom Mm. and able to do all these things from your home, which is amazing to me. So how did you end up involved with TEDx?
1: That was largely born of the fact that the event started here. And because I had always enjoyed listening to TED Talks, right. watching TED Talks to see the independently organized event. Here, I really just reached out to the organizers and asked what help they needed and then saw some gaps that were within my capacity to try to fill things that That's I That's so brave. Do. Yeah, it's kind of, for a shy person, it is kind of a stretch, but you know, this yeah. goes to the whole point of your podcast when you kind of know what you're good at and who you are then you can feel really good about offering what you can do and yeah. unapologetic about not doing the things that you can't. Right. So for me to sit down in a meeting with the organizers and hear what their needs were, there were some that were abundantly clear was, they were not my shoes to fill. Right. Okay. But there were others where I was like, well, I can do that. And so just doing the pieces that I could do.
0: That's And it's such a posture of, of how can I help, which is, mm-hmm. that's so great. Well, with
1: a nonprofit solely volunteer-led yeah. organization, that has to be your attitude. Right. You're just not going to get anything out of it other than the intrinsic
0: satisfaction right. of seeing
1: this really cool event that
0: come together. So great. They love that. I was raised with that sort of mentality of, hey, you know what? Always audition. I tell my kids this all the time mm. too. Always audition. Why not? Like, mm-hmm. why not just see what might happen?
1: <laughs> if you, you don't learn audition... learn something from the
0: process. Exactly. If you don't audition, you have... I mean, I say audition because I... My world is so much music, but if you don't, you don't have the part or whatever it is you're wanting. Mm-hmm. If you do, you may still not have it, but you've gained all the experience mm-hmm. of, like you said, honing in on what am I good at? What what can I offer um, to an organization? Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I love that. Um, and you have an event coming up then, pretty soon for TEDx Boise.
1: So TEDx Boise is actually in April. Okay. But I have two big things that are happening before then. One is TEDx Twin Falls. I'll be speaking there. right.
0: Which congratulations on that as well. Thank
1: you. That's fun. And then Lyft is the other big event, and that's actually in January. So
0: so tell us about Lyft. I love this because it it's so just organic and grassroots and birthed out of such a, a heart for making a difference. Tell us a little Uh bit about how that came together and collaborating
1: with Jenny Heike, Uh who is an author and speaker and Pam Strain, who is co area director of search ministries here in Idaho. And they both just have this tremendous heart for women Uh and reaching them so that they can, so that women, so that all of us can really live lives that really are reflective of our identity as children of Christ, daughters of Christ, and to fulfill our purpose accordingly. And so by sharing that vision together and having this kind of an incredible dynamic amongst the three of us where we all have different but complementary skill sets, Uh there is some overlap. There are a lot of things that two out of three of us or even all three of us might really enjoy or be good at but it's just a really highly functional team where we're all passionate about one thing and that's that people would better understand women specifically would better understand who they are and be able to live into that as a reflection of their purpose and this is a way that we worship god is when we honor the gifts that he has given us so we have this one big event um oh and tell us what
0: Lift stands for
1: living inspired fearless and thriving i love that i do too I love
0: that. Fearless and thriving.
1: Yeah, so the big event is January. Last year's event in January sold out. This year we moved to a larger venue and are hopeful that that will indeed also be the case, just so that we can get this message into the hands of even more people. And then we do lots of follow-up, smaller events, things like Bible studies or small group book discussions Mm -hmm. or workshops, and lots and lots of one-on-one meetings, so... It's kind of become a year-round effort, right? really, that just kicks off every year with the one big event in January.
0: And so if women want to know more about this, where would they go find information mm. about Lift? Liftedhigh.org. Liftedhigh.org. Okay. And um, do you post things, even though you have your big events, do you are you posting things in between, like if women were to go visit your liftedhigh.org.
1: There are always current offerings that are listed on the website. Um, We don't have a dedicated Facebook page. We do have a Facebook group. So women who want to be a part of that could join us on Facebook there. And we just share occasionally there because most of us are trying to pour into each other's lives in real life as opposed to just online. But whatever's coming is always online.
0: Very good. I love that. I love the name. I love the whole mission behind it that's exciting very cool well even though I know you so well it's so fun to hear just I love the variety of the things that you're involved in and how it all still fits together like we said within being a mom of three teens which is no no easy feat in and of itself so let's talk about You. Write, we've talked about a lot about your writing. Let's talk about your speaking. You are an incredibly gifted speaker. I've had the privilege of hearing you a couple of different times, and well, several different times actually. And um, tell me how, how. What preparation goes into that? What does that look like for you? If you've been asked to be a speaker at a retreat, what does that whole process look like for you getting ready for that?
1: It really depends on what the planning committee or the event manager brings Mm -hmm. to me, if they already have a theme established and a verse that they want to work out of, if it's a Christian event, then I try to just park myself in that passage for a while and really hear what it is that God wants to talk to me about with it. Because I believe that anything that I would share, if I don't really have that laid down in my bones, Mm. and that's not to say that I've got it nailed as much as that I'm really in it. It sounds hollow. Right. Right. And I really genuinely look at that as an opportunity to understand something more about who God is, know his word better, and to try to live it out more fully. So I really spend a lot of time in study. And that's something that I don't know that all event planners actually know or understand either that a Christian speaker, if you're hiring him or her to do their job, an enormous part of their preparation is prayer and their own study. Because that's really at the heart of it. Everything else is just our words, unless we're really interacting with the passage. And so when you're talking about planning a retreat or an event, there's an enormous amount of preparation that goes into it in terms of setting aside prayer time and really dedicating yourself to understanding that passage. And so I love it. And I tend to have kind of a scholarly approach to it often. Uh where I really like to understand the original language. This goes to my understanding of words and yeah. how important it is to me. So I really like to research all the words and how are they connected? Where else is it used? And how does that shed light on this passage in particular? And really just dig into it and yeah. get all kind of nerdy about it.
0: Right. But that's one of the things I love about you because I, that's how I like to study the Bible yeah. and all of that stuff really interests me. And you're one of the people that actually will. Talk with me about (laughs) my nerdy approach to learning. That's awesome. I know. Okay, so for anybody listening, though, um, if they wanted to just see what it was like to be nerdy studying the Bible, what does that look like? Where do you find your resources supplementally to help you navigate some of the tough passages or find that original language? What do you like to use?
1: If I'm going to be in one particular book for a long time, I'll actually try to go find a commentary uh-huh. to read alongside it. Not because they're authoritative as much as they usually give me some additional perspective that I wouldn't come up with on
0: my own. And how do you choose? Because there's so many. How how do you select? Do you just talk to people about which ones they The people into? that I
1: really respect, I've asked them who they've read. Okay. So that really, for me, started... Eons ago, when I was in community Bible study, okay, and wanting to see and hear what the teaching director and other people that just really seemed to have so much wisdom to offer, what did they read? Okay, who who were they immersing themselves in? And what I loved from their experience was they would typically try to find somebody that really would have one view on that passage or that book and somebody else who would have a completely opposing one. And okay. so that's when I really became important to me to see the breadth of the ways that people can interpret scripture. Not out in the fringes, I don't want mm-hmm. to get out in the weeds with it, right, but to start to see, oh, wow, f- famous really great critical thinkers disagree on yeah. some important things.
0: Right.
1: And that gives me a little bit of liberty to say that my human brain isn't going to understand everything that's in right. the Bible, but right. Where do, where do I find it lines up? Whose arguments kind of make the most sense? And then really looking at the passage myself and kind of being able to find where I land. So talking to people that I really respect their faith and hearing who it is that they read has helped me along the way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But one of my favorite tools is, as you know, because we've talked about this at length, is just blueletterbible.org. Yeah. Because yeah. when you pull up that passage and then you can click through to the original language and what did that word connote right. when it was spoken in that day and age, yeah. because we, we ascribe different meaning to absolutely. words. Right. And that's not even just in the translation from Hebrew to English or Greek to English. That's even just what we use to mean something today is not the way it was originally used even right. 50 years ago right. in True. English. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. really trying to understand what was the original intent there yeah. instead of presupposing that I understand
0: those words. Well, and I love what I love too uh, with that, um, in the study of original language is finding out where it was used Mm -hmm. elsewhere, because then you can really understand the context that it shows up in each Mm -hmm. time. And yes, blue letter Bible is, um, is a phenomenal tool, right at free, right at your fingertips. Um, Bible app lets mm -hmm. me
1: just sit there
0: wherever I am. Yeah. Somebody mentions a
1: verse and, I want to see how it's translated in other translations, as well as what was it originally meant. And I can pull it up anywhere, anytime. Whereas the other, before I was using Blue Letter Bible, and I don't use it exclusively. My commentaries and my dictionaries and my concordances were all probably literally five inches thick.
0: Yeah. You right. don't schlep yeah. those
1: with you to church. <laughs> totally. Yeah.
0: yeah. I've got yeah. my
1: dolly There's <laughs> little with to all my books. nerdiness. <laughs> I would like to be accepted by my peers.
0: We're nerdiness at home in private, not with our suitcase of books that it's we drive It's just impractical
1: in. to carry that many books around.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, and it, for me, it makes the Bible come alive, and it makes me realize just how just profoundly intelligent the Bible is, and how intentional and mm-hmm. and on purpose everything that we've been handed to us in Scripture was so divinely inspired and orchestrated, and and you may miss that if you don't dive in deep to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's hard to continue talking about that without wanting to go into a whole bunch of (laughs) examples. And then that would just be you and I talking about the Bible, which we love to do, but we probably should move on. Yeah, not a bad thing, but we do have a lot of ground to cover with you. So speaking, when you go speak, do you, if you had one of those just like standout moments that of all the things that you've been a part of, you just, just a favorite memory of speaking or Mm -hmm. a favorite response or
1: oh, can I be kind of negative for a moment yes. and tell you what my least favorite response yes. is? Yes, Oh, dear. This sounds kind of critical. <laughs> Very well-intentioned, well-meaning people will often approach me and probably many other speakers saying, I loved what you said. Okay. And that's not bad by itself, uh-huh. but it does actually make me feel like it was me who did it. Uh... And when... I'm up trying to serve God, the deepest compliment I can receive is having somebody say, God showed me this in my life through what you said. And it's, it's subtle, but it's really, really important.
0: So do you, are you able to ever redirect anybody to that or?
1: Yeah. My answer typically is if they loved it, I usually ask, well, how did, what did God show you? How okay. did you see that he wants you to take that home and apply it? Because, and that's really probably at the heart of what they mean anyway. Right. It's just that, again, as somebody who's really careful with my word choice, yeah, I hear that and I instantly feel like I have somehow taken God's glory and I don't want to do that. Right. I don't want to do that. It's yeah. his. Right. It's all his. He's the only one who deserves it. Right. Right. But it really does thrill me. It is deeply, deeply meaningful and moving to have somebody say to you, this is going to change in my life because God convicted me of it. Oh, what a
0: privilege. Yeah. How humbling. That's huge. um, No, that's so good because as a worship leader, I struggle through those comments too. Again, Mm well-intended, but people will come up and say, oh, "Oh, I loved worship today or worship was great today. And and I don't often know what to say about that because Mm -hmm. again, you don't want to, worship is for God and... Yeah. If worship was a, if they had a great worship experience that that is God at work mm-hmm. and we just were there to set the table for him to do mm-hmm. what he's going to do. Um, but it picture. is hard to know at the beginning or in that moment how to respond. Mm-hmm. Um that's so good to just say that you can say okay so how did God speak to you yeah. um, and bring it back to him. And I love that the church you and I go to that they've led with that saying As a church leadership, we tell ourselves, don't touch the glory. Mm -hmm. And I just think to protect that and preserve that even in conversation is so important. And then God can just be free to take first spot always. Yeah.
1: Which, again, that's not even about them not saying something right. It's that I don't even want to be tempted to take something from God that is rightfully His. Right. So I always kind of have just this moment of cognitive dissonance or I'm like, no, I got, I've got to disconnect that cause it's not mine.
0: Yeah. Well, I would think both of, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would think as we talk through a podcast, that's designed to go encourage people to live out their purpose. I think having that as a underlying assumption that in all of it, it is for him mm-hmm. that he's gifted us and he's created us and he has a purpose for us. But at the end of the day, all of the credit, goes directly back to him. And then I think hes he knows he could trust us with opportunity mm-hmm. if he knows that we're going to point everybody back to him. Yeah. So, Oh, that's so good. I love that. Okay, so as we summarize just being in the Word and how important that is to you, do you have any encouragement to our listeners as to what it means to dive in deep into Scripture and what that can look like? Mm.
1: My favorite thing about Scripture is that it'll meet you right where you are. Right. And so if somebody's hearing this and thinking, Oh, I've got to do a deep dive in scripture and they panic with time or they panic with desire, uh-huh. then I would just love that scripture will mean us right where we are. We, right. It's, it's there for the taking to whatever depth that we want to take it in that moment. So if we're struggling with the desire to do it, my advice would be just get your feet wet. Yeah. It's not, this doesn't have to be rocket science. Right. It can be simply as, Whatever time you can give to it, give to it.
0: So what does it look like for you when you're not necessarily preparing for a big speaking engagement or a big talk? What does your daily time in the world look like for you? I
1: have to say that even though I'm an enormous creature of habit, this is not a place where I have an enormous type of routine. Really? Uh Uh-huh. See, I did not know this about you. Uh That's very surprising to me. Yeah, And I think it kind of goes back even all the way to work and not wanting to stay in any particular job oh, right. at any one time. Okay. And also really liking ghostwriting for the variety that I can get out of it. I think it's that I actually don't like routine when it comes to God's word. So huh. that for me might be listening to a podcast. Right. Getting totally stuck on something that somebody says and then going and digging through that on my own. Okay. It could be that I actually read through a devotional book. I always do that in November and December just so that I can Prepare my heart for Christmas because that's just a really easy way for me to get lost with a capital L because the shuffle just starts to happen. So I might actually read a devotional, I might listen to a podcast or watch a sermon, or more often than not, I actually just sit down and read. Wherever I left off, I'll usually start again the next day. But sometimes if I stumble on something that just isn't captivating where I am at the moment or maybe I really am grappling with an issue, then I'll kind of do my own topical study. So I just don't do one prescribed thing.
0: Which is probably so good for any of our stay-at-home mamas or full-time working individuals Mm -hmm. that you may not be able to get up before all your people to have that quiet yeah. moment in the morning every single day. Or you may yeah. nod off at the last moments of the day yeah. <laughs> trying to trying to get it in before you fall asleep and mm-hmm. and that it it doesn't have to fit a formula as long as there's that daily intention of finding that space mm-hmm. somewhere because of how life-giving yeah. it is. And, and not as mm-hmm. a, a saddle that we have to put on ourselves to check the box um, of good Christian, but mm-hmm. because the daily time in the word is so vital.
1: Yeah. Well, and if we go back to the idea that this is a relationship, not a religion, then my relationships with people aren't really characterized by routine all the time. There are certain people that I do certain things with all the time, Yeah. but that's not the norm of the way I interact with people. We don't always talk about exactly the same things either. So if I look at it relationally, then I really feel freedom to do that. And I think also for me, I spent a lot of years doing highly, highly regimented approaches okay. to quiet time and study. And those were really, really life-giving, fruitful years and approaches. They're just not where I am right now. So back right. to the mom who, or just a busy professional, right. when you've got limited minutes, sitting down for 45 minutes of study may not be feasible for right. you, but right. God is still worth talking to. His word is still worth reading. And That's what I loved about If Equip, which is the If Gathering study portion. So it's ifequip.com. And basically, they give you a short passage, three questions. What does this mean to you? How can you apply this? If it's true, what does it mean for the world? Really, really basic questions that Mm -hmm. are simple and easy to remember. So you could apply it to any verse, anytime, anywhere. I mean, those are frankly really portable questions. Whatever you read, whatever you hear is this true? If it's true, what does it mean about me? What does it mean about God? Wow. What does it mean that I need to bring to the world with this information? They're basic questions oh, that I are so that. easy to remember and yeah. we can just apply them. And again, that's highly relational. Okay, God, if this is true about you, how do I need to live differently? Wow. Right. Cause the point is not to check the box having read a passage.
0: Right. Oh, I love that. I love talking to you about Bible study. Um, Oh, and speaking of, maybe now's a good time as any to say that you let me write with you. <laughs> hey, we've <laughs> got a Bible study, don't yes. we? <laughs> we have a Bible study because I love... I, oh my gosh. From the moment I've met you, I've been just in love with how much you love the Word. And, um, and so when I had this idea that popped into my brain for writing a Bible study, you were the very first person, that, the most obvious choice of... <laughs> Who might want to lend some support to this and your incredible writing? And so, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a you. good match
1: because you had this fantastic idea and wanted to give life to it and want to see women in particular in that way, really living out a true sense of identity. If this is right. who God is, then this is who I am in light of that truth. Right. Right. Yeah. Hence the title. He is therefore I am.
0: Yes. That is the title of the Bible study. So if you're interested in a new women's Bible study, it's called he is therefore I am. Yeah. So you were just so gracious to take a chance on someone who hadn't really ever been a writer that says, Hey, do you want to write a Bible study with me? Sure. I mean, that was so just gracious and kind and um, what a treat to be able to work through scriptures with you. And, um, yeah. But again, like you were saying, just now that we're on that topic, it was a season of my life where I realized that I can know something about God, but not necessarily let it drop down into my own personal circumstance. And I can believe that He is your friend and your portion mm-hmm. and your strength. But then when I bump into something stressful or fearful, I can... I become anxious and, and I don't allow him to be that in my life. And so that's the premise of the study for anybody who might be interested is that because he is our portion, therefore I am complete and I mm-hmm. live with no lack, no matter what my circumstances look like, because he fills in all those gaps or if he is my strength then I do not have to be powerless. I am I am in Him, armed with His strength, and
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: so thank you for that. Was your <laughs> Wonderful writing skills to that project. So it was great. Um, well, one last, really significant part of your story is that um, you have chosen to adopt, and you said one of the most powerful things I've ever heard anybody say about adoption years ago when we, right when we first met, um, we were talking about your story, and you said, um, "I'm not saying that every buddy should adopt, Mm -hmm. but I am saying that every child should be adopted. And that has stuck with me for all of these years. What a powerful way to to put words around adoption. So tell us a little bit about where that comes from. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult in that statement because of course there's so
1: much nuance. There are complications to adopting internationally and taking a child away from their Culture and their customs, and I do not have the intellectual faculty to really speak to that. Mm-hmm. So, when I say I don't think everybody should adopt, but I think every child should be adopted, my heart in there is really that while not every family is well suited to take on the tasks associated with that, yeah. every child deserves to be part of a family. Right. Now, ideally, that would be a healthy, stable family of their origin because of mm-hmm. course that's the least complicated and the least traumatic, but right. short of that, and we don't live in a perfect world. Right. We live in a sinful, broken world that falls far, far short of God's intended design. But orphanages just break my heart. There's right. no two ways about that. Those children sitting in an orphanage without someone to nurture them, mm-hmm. to answer their cries, which is really the bedrock of our society if you want to get down to brass tacks. Because only when somebody answers your cries can you then continue to have a healthy brain that understands mm. what it is to connect to other people. And only when you understand to connect to other people, how that's, way, that's the way that we engage with society. That's right. the fabric of society right there. So orphanages are just the most heartbreaking thing in right. my mind. So again, I don't know that every family is wired up to meet the challenges and there are many we've experienced a large number of them in our family. Adopting isn't for everybody. Yeah. But even if you're not, let's all advocate for them. Right. Let's all make sure that we're doing everything we can to equip parents for the task of parenting. Yeah. Let's come alongside kids in some capacity if they don't have that as part of their story. And let's not just turn a blind eye. It's pretty easy if they're sequestered. And my son was in an orphanage on the outskirts of a remote town. Wow. It was the building that nobody wanted to see. Wow. So I was pretty condemning of that as a practice when I first got there and Mm -hmm. saw it. But then I thought, wow, I don't know that we do much differently when we pretend that that doesn't exist.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: We're putting orphans on the outskirts of small towns when we pretend that they're not out there
0: needing families. Oh my goodness. Okay. Adoption is such a giant, giant, giant topic. And I bet you could spend hours just talking through your story. Um, And so while we don't have all those hours right now, uh, do you want to share a little bit about how, what led your family to pursue international adoption? Tough to do
1: that in a couple of short sentences, but I'll do my best to condense it. I was getting ready to actually teach for community Bible study when we lived in Colorado and we were on vacation and my husband was reading a book. The fire was crackling. The ocean was crashing outside and my daughters were asleep in the rented condo. And I sat down to actually prepare my lecture and I needed to teach out of Mark 10. And my big obstacles were, I really enjoyed being pregnant. Okay. I was worried about paying an adoption Mm -hmm. and I was also worried about just the complications of conducting an adoption by doing all the paperwork and the bureaucracy that went with it as well as the displacement afterwards and inordinate amounts of travel in between and yet when I opened my Bible that day the first account there is Jesus says, let the children come to me. Oh, wow. And in, in that moment, I just knew we were getting ready to have a conversation about adoption. Wow. <laughs> it's was, it was like, oh, we're going to talk about this. All right, right I better sit up and pay attention, God. And then the story of the rich angular, sell everything, give it to the poor, come okay. follow me.
0: Right. Oh, dear. Yeah.
1: I got to not hang so tightly on to my financial resources. I need to be willing to part with them. Yeah. And be willing to adopt if that's the case in this particular story. And then really it was the the most striking piece of it was the inconvenience of adopting. And yet God just leveled me with that one because when you see Jesus at the end of Mark 10, leaving Jericho and walking toward Jerusalem and he's got this blind beggar by the side of the road by the name of Bartimaeus and Bartimaeus is begging. He wants his sight Mm -hmm. and he's asking God for his sight, asking Jesus for his sight. If anybody had a reason to walk past somebody on the side of the road, begging, yeah, wasn't it Jesus, right, God in right. the flesh, walking to His death right. to pay for all sin. Of all mankind for all time, he knew he was doing something better for that man in the space of hours, really. Wow. And yet he was willing to be inconvenienced and stop and meet the needs of the person by the side of the road. And so there I sat, you know, we're on vacation and I'm sobbing and my husband looks at me like
0: what do I have to do to keep you happy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fun. Oh I'm my giving God. you you. Yeah. <laughs> I think we
1: need to adopt. And he was already on board. I mean, he had been raising the issue of like, should we adopt, should we adopt, should we adopt? Basically, every time we talked about adding to our family through pregnancy. And so he was he was already there. And it was just God getting me on board.
0: Wow. Well, I'm sure again, we've picked such big topics. I could sit here and ask you two hours worth of questions just on this topic alone, but um, I think what you've said is beautiful. Do you have any encouragement that you want to, as we kind of shift gears here a little bit, any encouragement you want to give anybody listening that may be wrestling through this Mm. in in their own life?
1: My encouragement would be simply to heed God's nudges, be willing to explore whatever he's putting in front of you Mm -hmm. because just doing due diligence doesn't commit you to adopt. Right. It's really more understanding what it means and being as well educated as you can be. So talking to parents who have adopted, finding social workers who can educate you. There are adoption agencies in our area as I'm sure there are in anybody else's area that's listening to find a reputable agency and see what trainings and seminars and information sessions they offer because really it's most important that you actually get an education, good intentions aren't sufficient right. to meet the needs of a child that has come through adoption. Oh. And the important piece of that is quite simply this, that even if you adopt a child from birth, they have had to experience some degree of trauma right. in order to have been available for right. adoption. Maybe it's not enormous trauma. Maybe it's not life-changing
0: trauma. But we have to acknowledge their trauma. right, And you have to be prepared for that. right. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I love that so much. And as someone who relies heavily on good intentions. It's true that that's, that's not enough in any parenting situation. Mm. (laughs) We have to No, it's not enough for any parenting. You're right. (laughs) Good (laughs) intentions
1: do not get us all the way to the finish line. (laughs) (laughs) Where is that finish line? Is there a finish line? There's a finish line.
0: Right. But to just take that time to study and research and understand Mm. and prepare. And, um, that's pretty, that's incredible. Um, well shifting, gears to a little bit lighter subjects um you have said a couple different times already that you are an introvert and yet here we hear that you're living a very extroverted life you're speaking to large groups of people you're coaching people through ted talks you're you're organizing big gatherings of women at lyft and um how do you recharge when you when you launch your introverted self into a very extroverted situation
1: The most important piece of that for me is honoring the fact that I need to have balance. The Mm -hmm. fact that I really do need, as you said, to have time to recharge. So when I look at my calendar and somebody's asked for a meeting or time, Mm -hmm. I can't say yes just because it's open. Mm. I actually have to say yes only within the context of what else is it taking from me because, of course, even parenting is an extroverted job. That being with those people that I love so dearly, is actually draining for me as an right. introvert. And I remember thinking when my kids were really little, wow, somebody is always talking. And it's true. <laughs> somebody is always talking. If they're home, someone's mouth is going. They're never, never quiet. And I'm just as much a part of that. My mouth is going often as well. Right. So I have to be really wise about what I put on the calendar. And it's really more about boundarying that. It's not that I need to do any specific things as much as I just need to be alone. Yeah. And now that my kids are all in school, I, in theory, have at least those hours between, let's just call it roughly nine and three. Yeah. Where, unless I voluntarily choose or involuntarily choose by nature of my other commitments to be out with people, then I can be at home. And that's actually really fundamentally the most important piece of it for me. Yeah. But what fills me up is. Even just being able to be quiet and kind of daydream. Yeah. And weirdly enough, the best way for me to do that, uninterrupted daydreaming, is when I'm driving by myself in the car. Oh, okay. So my theory, my game plan that doesn't usually happen, there's the real confession, is just to get in the car and drive someplace that I don't have cell reception for a while.
0: Oh, Because wow. I can't pick up the phone okay. when I'm
1: driving. And if I don't have cell reception, nobody can even call me. So... I won't be tempted to make a call. Nobody else will, and I'm not really tempted if I need time alone. But nobody can reach me. Oh, I
0: love that. And
1: so, just driving, my mind kind of goes into passive, and that's when I'm creative. That's when I'm alone. That's when I'm recharging.
0: That's so clever. Also, to just go out of (laughs) cell range. I love that. Um, And you know what else I love about this has come through a couple different times in this little hour together is you really are giving women permission to play to their strengths and not really give overly, um, too much attention to weaknesses. Um, because I think for me, I can tend, and maybe it's my optimism. I can tend to think that I not only should be all things to all people, but I can, by golly, (laughs) I can figure it out. And really that does no one any good.
1: Just, I love your optimism. Once again, this is where Julie and Kirsten just collide. Julie <laughs> thinks she can be everything to all people. I'm sitting here going, I will never be enough to anybody, so I'm just gonna do what I can do. <laughs> well,
0: but mine is ridiculous. It's not even a. No one can be all things to all no. people, and um, but an optimist would try, right? But what you're saying is, you know what? If I need time alone, I'm going to make sure I work that into my schedule, and mm. I don't need to feel bad about it because that will actually make me. Better at my mm-hmm. responsibilities if I head into them refreshed and recharged yeah. and um, and if my family is my
1: primary attention recipient right then if I burn it all when they're gone, oh right, they get the leftovers. Just the other night when I came home from a meeting that took me well into the 9 o'clock hour, I came home, and one of my daughters needed to talk to me, and I stopped short, literally in my tracks and looked her in the eye and said. I don't know if I have it in me right now.
0: Oh, I hate that when that
1: happens. I, and I said, I'm sorry. I spent it on somebody else. Oh. And I was filled with so much regret. Right. And for the sake of full candor, I did rally. I found yeah. a way to just sit down on the couch and do more listening than talking, which is probably better when you're parenting Right. Yeah. But I marked that moment as, ooh, I spent something that really rightfully belongs to her somebody else. And I don't want to do
0: that. Oh my goodness. That's so good. I love that you're just giving people permission to, um, acknowledge we have, we have strengths, but we also have weaknesses and it's okay to guard ourselves and protect that. That's so good. Um, okay. Your husband, let's talk about that him because (laughs) we,
1: he's worthy of his
0: own section. (laughs) He really is because he is literally the only person that has ever jumped into our pool with all his clothes on. In fact, I think it was like a suit, <laughs> like mm-hmm. a full business suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is so fun. Tell us a little bit about him and how that element of fun plays out in your family. Oh, golly. I'm so grateful for him because
1: as everybody will have heard by this point, I'm a little bit of a melancholy soul. <laughs> I'm kind of intense. And his levity is really the strength of our marriage in a Aww. lot of ways. I love that he is he is comic relief. He is levity. He is able to laugh at himself. Aww. And I don't think that was something that I was able to do when we met. So it's okay. definitely something that he has taught me as well. And wow, we've been through some dark, dark days together. Yeah. And I honestly think that that really has been the strength is that he still was able to bring some little glimmer of what I would have thought was the end of the world he can bring some glimmer of lightness and levity to it. So he does all kinds of silly things. My kids are so fortunate to have them as their dad. One of my favorite things that he's ever done is building an ice rink in our backyard. Oh,
0: I was hoping you were going to bring this up because you are the only people that I know that have (laughs) a man-made ice rink in their backyard. This is so fun. Pretty awesome.
1: We moved in the last year, so our yard isn't conducive to it any longer. And that's okay because... We've had a lot of great years, but yeah, he just would build a frame and line it and fill it and we'd wait for the cold snap to come. And then my my kids would just be outside on the ice. The first year that we did it, my husband and I were lying in bed one morning. Our master bedroom was on the ground floor at the time and for the first time one of the kids got up and didn't come directly to our room to say right. what's for breakfast or what yeah. are we doing? or yeah. Can I get this or do that? We just heard skating.
0: Oh, that's outside. the best. And so
1: literally they will skate from when they wake up until they want to go to bed at oh, night and we'll light goodness. the fire. And it's, I think he's just given them some really, really terrific memories. That's so fun. So how did he even come up with this? because He I don't just... saw somebody else do it, uh, okay. but it really stuck with him because he grew up around figure skating. His okay. sister was a skater, and so he's owned skates for a long time. I've owned skates for a long time. So I think he knew it to be something that was fun. His parents now actually live on property that is adjacent to a pond, okay. and it freezes over, and they go down there and skate. And so the that idea of so being able fun. to play some really pathetic version of hockey or broomball yeah. in our backyard <laughs> all during Christmas break has just been absolutely blissful. Yeah. I don't know. Mike is unpredictable. This is also okay. me. do not do as he does, but he, <laughs> as a college student, like skied off of his roof when there oh. were three feet of snow and they got, you know, oh so he is kind of whimsical. It's where my daughter gets it. Uh-huh. Britta's a little more quirky, and Mike's kind of quirky. They okay. have exactly the same sense of humor. They really crack each other up, and the rest of us kind of look at them. Like, that was fun. <laughs> that's so the yes, best.
0: He's, just, he's like that, and oh, it's that's lovely. So fun! I love that so much. Um, okay, so while we head toward wrapping up here, what advice do you have? As we've sort of alluded to just the ways God's allowing you to live in the purpose that he has for you. What advice do you have for people? I feel like in our day and age um, where we're so globally connected, we can feel like unless we have some giant, enormous platform, we shouldn't have any platform because Mm -hmm. um, if we don't measure up to whoever is the household name in the area we want to be in, then maybe we don't have anything to offer. And um, I just know that that's not true. And I see I see people like you living out your purpose every day. Do you have any encouragement for anybody, for maybe that stay-at-home mom who's folding laundry right now, thinking, well, what do I have to offer? Mm -hmm. Um, What encouragement
1: do you have? I feel like I want to answer that multiple ways. I'm going to come back to the mom who might be folding laundry in a moment, and I'll kind of speak to this from my own perspective for just a moment at first. And that's just to say that, I don't even know that I'm living out my God-given purpose to the fullest extent that I could. Mm -hmm. But what I know is that I'm currently stewarding, using all the experiences that he's given me in some capacity. Now, all, of course, is an overstatement of it. But when I look back at these really pivotal moments or things that I've loved, skills that he's given me, experiences Mm -hmm. that I've had... Then most of them are being able to be used. And like I said, I thought I was going to end up in finance. I actually, my grand plan that was determined at age 11 or 12 was get an accounting degree finance. I got pretty close with that. Yeah. Go on and get my law degree and become a tax attorney. Oh
0: my goodness. Never, <laughs> ever. So by the,
1: but I really followed yeah. that all the way through. I did get my degree right. in finance. I was applying to graduate school and taking my GMATs when wow. I met the man that is now my husband and yeah. that rerouted my plans. And I'm, I'm sure somebody could say, Oh, you let a boy reroute your whole life. Well, I don't know. That was my plan. I don't think yeah. that was God's plan. Right. And we can get in to all sorts of theological discussions around that. But the point is that even though I'm not doing anything with my finance degree and I didn't go on to law school, I'm still doing things I find deeply meaningful. And I think that we undervalue, this gets into the mom folding laundry, I think we undervalue the really plain everyday occurrences. One of my favorite examples of that is really out of the writing from Brother Lawrence, who was a monk in the 1500s. And he worked in the kitchen at the monastery and he has written extensively, mostly through letters to individual people that are now bundled into a book talking about how when you practice the presence of God, that everything that you do becomes holy. Wow. So when he would meet someone, a guest to the monastery or be doing the dishes that that was holy work, if we did it as unto the Lord. And so really I've, Along that line of thinking, have become of the mind that whatever I'm doing can be holy. And if I'm doing something that is holy, then that has to be within God's purpose for me. Wow. So, wow, anything that we do, if it can be holy, is really God's purpose. So, whatever moment I'm in, if I'm fully there, fully present, and fully yielding it back to God, then that's God's purpose for me. And I think we get really spun up in, yeah. what's the big picture? Right. What's my life trajectory? And do I have to have an answer to this? And yeah. I just think it's kind of like having a whole bunch of data points
0: mm-hmm.
1: and trying to see where they cluster into a line. Well, we don't have all those data points. We're not yeah. going to have them until we've drawn our last breath. And so understanding our purpose is way more nebulous than I think is possible for human humanized to discern right so to the degree that i'm using the experiences and gifts and passions that god has given me i think that's fulfilling my purpose
0: in I whatever love moment it is that that encourages me just sitting here um, and i hope that's encouraging to anybody listening um, that really we we can overthink it mm-hmm. and like you said if we just give everything that we're doing back to him mm-hmm. it really can be used of him in a powerful way well and i love the verse where it says. Um, that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. And I always heard it stopped there, but it says until the day of Christ, which means long after we're gone, he can continue the work that he Mm -hmm. started in us. Um, so we may not know Hmm. like Abraham, we may not see the full impact of the work that he began in us, um, because he may choose to continue it on, but that's not our job to sort through and figure that out. Our Mm. job is just to every day. You're in now. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. Um, So what is a favorite product that you use that you could not live without? Like if somebody (laughs) took it from you, you just wouldn't even know how to get through a day.
1: So funny because they deal with beginning and ending my day. This is, and they're not expensive. They're not important. They're not really technically savvy. Yeah. it's I've really downplayed it already. My two favorite things are a heated mattress pad because oh. getting into bed at night is just way more lovely. I
0: had one those in college. I haven't had one since then, but
1: yeah, okay. I didn't have one until I'd been married for 10 years. Oh, all right. And it just really, it makes going to bed feel like an indulgence. That's Not that it awesome. feels like a chore, but yeah. it makes it feel like an <laughs> indulgence. Oh my
0: goodness, that's To where great. I just
1: kind of feel like, hey, I get to take care of myself at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And my other
1: one is light timers. And this is something that a lot of us use as security measures if we're going to be out of town or Uh something like that. But I actually began the habit of – oh, and I just thought of another one began the habit of actually setting them to be on in the morning when I went downstairs or turning a light to go on in my closet so that, um, as I got out of bed in the morning, there was this faint glow from the bathroom. Cause it just makes me feel like I'm not the first one up or I'm not alone or it's not dark and cold and hostile. It just makes me feel like, Oh, we dreaded. can do this. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. I'm a morning this? person, yeah. so like, we can do this. If I need that kind of rally cry, probably other people do too. I love that. You and the laugh. Really we got simple. this. <laughs> but for the readers, I'm going to add a third one. You didn't really ask for this many, but... No. the The other one is simply twist-up crayons. I what? use them as highlighters in my books. Oh. Because they're cheap, and they last forever, and they don't dry out. Well, that's fun. And they don't go... Yeah, they just they're twist so up crayons. Twist That's up so crayons. Fun. And because they're twist up, they're not going to melt in your car. And that is chiefly where I get to read and highlight is when I've got some weird 15 minutes.
0: So what are you car. reading right now I'm and highlighting?
1: reading. <laughs> Present Ever <laughs> Perfect at the moment, oh, which yeah. I believe you're reading as well. I,
0: it's on my list. It's, it's in the queue. I have it. Oh, I just okay. haven't started it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Great yeah. message. I think really important for this day and age, yeah. but also for those of us that are investing in more than one place. And that's me. I mean, if, if everybody hasn't gotten that message yet, I don't know, but I've just got, I'm invested in kids. I'm invested in writing and editing and Lyft and TEDx and all of these things. It's really easy for me to feel fractured, even though I like being stimulated by so many different varieties of things, Mm -hmm. but it's really easy to get caught up in going from one to the next, to the next, to the next. And so her message really is kind of being present Mm -hmm. instead of achieving all the time. Right. And so that's been a good message for me.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been such a treat to get to talk with you today. And I hope that everyone listening really grabs a hold of the words that you've offered as to how we can be intentional every single day in just offering ourselves to God to do as He wants. So thank you for that. Thanks for having me. All right. It was fun. Well, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed our conversation, be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up on all future releases. And I'd love to invite you to leave a comment while you're there as well. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Made for This podcast.